0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Bootstrap Founder. Today I'm talking to Marie Poulin and Benjamin Borowski, the people behind Notion Mastery. We chat about building a community-based course and keeping it up to date, partnering with a company like Notion and how to build a business around an info product like this. Here are Marie and Benjamin. I moved to Canada last year and for the first time I have a backyard. I have a house and a little backyard, and I started a little garden, and I enjoyed a fine harvest from that garden. And now I know that both of you are very interested in permaculture, out of all things. And it sounds like there's something in there, not just for people who like gardening, but also for founders, SaaS founders in, in particular, who want to build like calm and sustainable businesses. What can we learn from permaculture?
1: Oh my gosh, where to begin? Um... <laughs> I feel like when I took my permaculture course, it completely changed the way I looked at every part of our business, because you're looking at uh, where are you getting the most return for the time that you're putting in, right? It's all about obtaining a yield. So it, it just had us looking at our services in a different way, like where are we spending so much of our time, energy, and attention on the stuff that is kind of giving us very little back, not just financially, but in terms of our own enjoyment. So we just started looking at things in terms of energy inputs and outputs and just being a little bit more mindful about that. So I feel like it just kind of had us slowing down a little bit and like really looking at things a little bit more from an energetic standpoint. So I think there's just lots of fun little principles and lessons that I'm like, that's a it's a garden lesson, but it's very much applicable to business. So there's mm-hmm. lots of stuff like that, that I think has subconsciously uh, permeated our business. Ben, I'm curious if there was like, anything specific and in- I think
2: I think I don't remember what the context was but I was I was telling the story about um, Marie, Marie doing this permaculture diploma on the coast where we live on the Sunshine Coast in uh, British Columbia. There's a lot of people who kind of set up their homes for like really, really sustainable practices. And um, one thing that really kind of blew my mind when uh, I went and visited Marie while she was doing these trainings is, I went in and, and I think about, like when I look at somebody's beautifully curated garden on say like uh, Pinterest, or you see these gorgeous landscapes in uh, on Instagram, a lot of these places were very, very, very messy. Just, you know, dirt everywhere, Dug holes. They're like they're running water pipelines underneath to to get water and 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 stuff to the, the the place that it needs to go. They've got like fish farms, so the water is like you know they've they're feeding the fish with something from the garden, and then the fish you know their their waste goes to then fertilize something else. So it's you know these little mini ecosystems. And I was kind of like oh like like there's something really really beautifully productive about this horribly ugly, like garden. And it's, it, and it, when you th- when you look at it, it's just a total mess, but it's so productive. It's making so much food for so many people and in the community and things like that, and it kind of re it kind of made me rethink the way that we think about this very glossy, like finished SAS product at, at the time we were working on, we had a course launching SAS called uh, Doki, which was we've shut down in the past year or so to focus on something different, but. Um, It made us like look at the way that we actually create products as like you can make these kind of unfinished, messy things. And then there's like a yield that comes out of that product. And then you can use that the, the experiments that you're doing there in some other way. And and from the outside, it often looks like this really cacophonous mess of of experiments. And, and it might be like to, to outsiders like, eh, I don't, I don't know about that, but it's really can be quite productive uh, underneath the surface. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm not as big and Marie did the permaculture p- diploma, but I started seeing those similar patterns in our own work and 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 I actually Marie did a talk at microconf a few years <laughs> back specifically around permaculture. And there may be somewhere online you can see that, but it was a really wonderful talk.
0: Yeah, I find that incredibly exciting, not just because I'm starting to get into gardening, but because I've seen so many businesses, SaaS businesses, uh, both as clients of mine or mentees of mine or my own and I've seen them just develop from something really ugly into something still not beautiful but less ugly but that made them profitable mm. right? the oh, fact yeah. that you don't focus on the shiny outside veneer and the kind of the flashy highlight reel of only the best kind of things but you actually look at the the meaningful the, the meat of the thing Yeah, uh, I don't know if, the, if that is a good phrase for, for the gardening metaphor here but you know it's just kind of agricultural yeah, in some way like you focus on on what the essence of the thing is and how you can use that essence to be a kind of self-perpetuating system. And I love the idea that you brought up aquaponics, like the idea of having fish and having, you know, the fish. I remember this when I was in Berlin um, back in Germany. I was trying to build a marketplace for local food as a business with a couple of friends. Didn't mm-hmm. go anywhere, really, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we messed up. But <laughs> it was very interesting to work with the farmers, the local farmers in the farming community in Berlin. Where you would think this is a big city, there isn't much farming going on. But aquaponics, that can happen in a greenhouse. And mm-hmm. we, we found a lot of these very interesting cyclical ecosystems in the middle of the city where you would not expect them. And we were touring them because we were trying to build a local food a business, essentially, involving those farmers and people who would buy the food that they create. And it was incredible. And that also shifted my mindset on how mm-hmm. systems work. Right? Systems aren't just the thing you get to see systems are the process that makes the thing happen that you get to see, which is an obvious statement maybe, but it mm-hmm. took that particular kind of cyclical thing that was literally growing carrots on top of a tank of like what, what, the, the the fish, like some some African uh, kind of uh, river dwelling fish that was particularly good at using the the nutrients that came in from the from the soil, and it took me to see this to understand how systems work. And I'm I'm excited to talk to you today, particularly because the product that I know you from most recently is essentially an organizational system building system on top of Notion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a bit about Notion Mastery? Because I feel this is something that many, many Notion users should be aware of, but are not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Notion Mastery evolved out of My own need to create systems for myself. Um, and I've, you know, shared this before. I have ADHD. I've been a very chaotic person, I think, most of my life and have always sought structures and sort of systems and, you know, reading, getting things done and reading every book about systems. I think I kind of obsessed over systems because it it didn't make sense to me or I didn't really understand how some things just seemed so easy for people and they could do what they say they're going to do and they could follow the GTD method. And even Ben is a, is a very systematic person. You know, he's a development background the programmer brain, like he sees things very differently and can follow step by step instructions and see the order of things in a way that I don't. Um, So I was always trying to find the structure for myself and something that would kind of work for the way that my brain works. And it wasn't until I found Notion that I was like, oh, I can actually show data in the way that it works for my brain and in a a more visual way. I think I need to see things visually. And sometimes I just need to see it in a particular way for it to, to click for me. And it what I realized in that process was a lot of people are the same way too, and we have a very large portion of people with ADHD in our in our course, and it was kind of an interesting indicator. I didn't I didn't know I had ADHD until like these these people that were coming in and the onboarding surveys they kept saying, "Oh, I have ADHD," and I saw your videos mm. and I really liked the the style of your systems, or I really liked your the way you assemble things. And so there was just such an unusual amount of people. I thought there's something here about this. Like, what is it that there seems to be a certain type of person that leans toward this very visual system and visual structure? So that actually kind of prompted me to explore diagnosis. I was like, there's got to be a, an interesting reason <laughs> that people are kind of drawn toward my way of, of doing things. Um, so obviously, I've, I've been very influenced by Ben over the years, too, because he's, he again, just has a very systematic way of looking at things. And I was like, why do, Why is this so difficult for me? So one of the things we did a few years ago was start to move our systems out of the things that we were using. Like I think, Ben, we were using Asana at the time for project management. Um, I was using Evernote for many, many years for my note-taking, but everything felt very scattered and very sort of spread across too many different points of technology. So Doing strategic planning was happening over here and to do's and notes and i just felt very stretched thin and i just felt very messy and i'm already just a naturally messy person so notion became this place where okay i can kind of have my finger on the pulse of where everything is happening in one place and that one change of that sort of it's a permaculture principle but integration over segregation was so helpful for me personally I just got so excited, singing it from the rooftops, making you I'm like, people need to know about this. I got so, so excited about it. And um, it, it really resonated with people and, and kind of took off in a way that I was not expecting. Um, and at the time, I think, Ben, you would have just been working for uh, Precision Nutrition right when I had launched the course and it it kind of took off. And so, mm. you know, Ben was doing engineering over here at Precision Nutrition. I was working on the course and it just got to the point where I was like, this is not a... This is not a one person show like this is um, becoming quite magnetic. And the market is sort of uh, it sort of pulled the direction of the business toward this course. And I thought, OK, well, I'm going to have to double down on this or we're not going to be able to to see it grow. And mm-hmm. we were able to get Ben to come back to the business and, and be a bigger part of it. So, yeah, happy to share any part of that. That's interesting. Oh, but, yeah. uh Oh I'm, yeah.
0: I'm very interested <laughs> not not just in the the notion part I use notion too for for actually most of my production of anything I write in notion for my weekly blog posts and stuff that then turn into podcasts and videos and stuff. I write them, I I draft them in Notion too, because that's where all my data lives, where all my ideas Mm -hmm. are, I kind of pull it all together. So the integration principle is one that I have been following, kind of not even knowing that it exists just because the platform allows me to do it. So the Notion part, super interesting. The business part of building on top of Notion, extremely interesting. Now, the part of building a course Business on top of that? Wow. There's just so much going on. So I want to talk to you about all of these three because I'm also kind of scatterprint and I want to know everything. But, you know, (laughs) um, I kind of want to start with the the business part because this podcast is for other founders, for people who want to build SaaS businesses, marketplaces, and info products. And Mm -hmm. I would assume that Notion Mastery is an info product that is kind of also expanding into a community from what you just said, right? The the kind of diagnosis uh, self-help group that uh, (laughs) spontaneously formed around this product, which is awesome. I love love communities and communities of purpose where the purpose wasn't the one that actually turns out to be. Mm -hmm. This is something that I've actually heard a couple times in the past. I was talking to Daniel Vasallo about his um, small bets product, and he didn't want to start a community in the in the beginning because he just wanted it to be a course. But then over time, the people taking his course kind of formed the com- community by themselves and turned it into something where they now help each other th- 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 kind of figure out if their bets are working or not, which is yeah. an amazing thing. And to know that your community helped you diagnose or help you figure <laughs> out that you should be, di- be diagnosed, that is an amazing thing. Um, just effect like an emergent effect from a community. So let's talk about the business side of this. How does one approach building an info product on top of a shifting platform? That's what interests Ooh. me about notion. Cause notion yes. has changed a lot in mm-hmm. the past. So h- how do you approach building a, a product that stays on a platform that
1: changes? Yeah. I don't know if you have strong opinions on this, Ben, if you want to jump oh, in. Not necessarily, a lot str- here. <laughs> not
2: necessarily strong opinions, but this is actually what our focus is on a product level for Q1 is this, uh, we've we've come to realize that because Notion moves so quickly and as they've scaled, you know, the last we heard, they're up to 450 employees and that's, that's scaled quite a bit in the last year. And um, so we have this like it's not really a course anymore it's this thing where we're continually launching mini courses inside of this ecosystem now and we need to be we just recently started doing a new event um last this past week actually that we're calling demo days so whenever notion does a feature release and has a list of features i'm actually doing live workshops showing how to use the new features and then like q a for how to use these things so most of our most of our actual work happens in the space of figuring out like what are people struggling with in real time and then like sort of building mini products and testing little things around that so for example right now i'm building this new mini course that's all about the permissions and team spaces structure because notion recently did a pricing change and now everyone has access to team spaces so we have this huge group of people who have been using notion for years who have never been exposed to groups and team spaces so my first thought is, okay, maybe I'll write a blog about, uh, how to use permissions properly in team spaces. Cause I have this like sort of consulting knowledge that a lot of people don't have. So write a blog and then maybe I'll ship that. I'll do a live training in the middle of the, of next month. We've got a live training plan to, to, to show this to our community. And then I will usually take the transcript or the outline for the live training and turn that into a course, um, a mini course inside of there. And then we can, Take segments of that, do YouTube videos based on little snippets of it. So it's like this constant like repurposing and remixing and rethinking, like all of these different things. And so, you know, once you've developed enough of a baseline, you can use this what I, you know, what we call like community, community community-driven development, basically. So you can you can experiment with just little bits of like teaching somebody a two minute video, how to do something. Oh, everybody was really excited about that. And that was really foundational knowledge that they captured. Oh, maybe we should do something more with that. And then that becomes a, a, a live training and then it becomes a, a mini course. And so we've developed the system now where we can kind of do like, you know, small bets, we can place these small bets on different mini features inside of there. And it's honestly a requirement now because, mm-hmm notion and like as ambassadors, we get, we get to see little early access on features and there are features coming out that are going to totally change the way that people use notion. And so we had to start thinking about like, we can't just have this static course because as soon as they ship this feature, like it's going to change the way that we work in notion completely kind of thing. So, you know, we're, that's what we're doing right now is rethinking like, how are we, how do we restructure things so that we're sort of teaching alongside these new features coming out? Um, and in terms of how this, we how yeah. we got there i th- i think the story of our business is kind of like we started as a web development agency two separate web development agencies that we combined together and then we were a saas shop and then we were a info marketing shop and so we've been Chung like Ching. our our business has always been a bit of a chameleon and we're just kind of moving where we're interested or where there is interest and so that's a lo- that allows us to implement like little bits of these different business types within the notion mastery you know umbrella,
1: well, yeah, I think you did identify like one of our biggest challenges, how do we keep this course? Uh, relevant? Uh, how are the systems that we are teaching still relevant when Notion implements a new feature that makes something so much easier to do? And we have to say, okay, which of these lessons do we need to go back and update? You know, Is there an easier way to do this now? So that is kind of our central challenge is how do we future-proof this course, make sure that we're uh, teaching enough of the system-level stuff such that if Notion makes a change, it's still relevant, it's still interesting, and we can supplement with those demo days and other events and that sort of thing. So we're, we're definitely always thinking about that is how do we future proof it but at the same time we always have to be on top of what are those changes that are coming and what is that going to mean and what impact is that going to have for people coming to the course. I think another thing that we've had to also do is there's a mindset aspect to coming into a course that is already you already know it's going to be changing like you've signed up and it's going to look different probably in a couple of weeks than it does now like there's always going to be new things to add. So lessons around priming people around the mindset piece of that and making sure that they know it's it's okay that this is going to change. You're going to have to be comfortable with the fact that things are going to look different. Your notion space is going to look different next week, next month, even six months from now. That's actually part of the process. So that emergent quality of the more you use the thing, the more that you you learn where the friction points are and what you need and don't need. So I try to frame it like a digital garden. Your notion space is a digital garden. You're going to have to prune stuff. You're going to have to plant new seeds over here. And uh it. It takes a little bit to kind of shift people's perspective and unlearn traditional education where you're doing a course, you get a completion certificate, you're done. It's like this is a little bit more exploratory and and choose your own adventure, and that can be very uncomfortable for some people. So we try to prime that as much as possible when people first join the course.
0: That sounds like something that that i noticed in myself that when I initially saw Notion, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to put stuff in here and this is kind of how it looks forever. It's going to be perfect. But then I quickly (laughs) learned that the, the platform itself made that impossible. But that was a good thing. It yes. feels like change is not necessarily a bad thing, particularly not when it comes to knowledge and how we connect it and right? how we interact with it. Exactly. <laughs> but that that makes me wonder, like, are, what is the thing that, that people usually get wrong about notion beyond it changing over time? Like, is there one thing that you notice in the people and your students that is a, a, a misconception that a lot of people bring to the table when they join the course?
1: Yeah, I think the perfectionism is a huge one. I,
0: I like think people like... Yeah. I mean, I I
2: think our our main sell on our landing page, for example, is that templates are not a system, and people come to the course thinking that I'm going to get a fully fleshed out, finished ecosystem, SAP, basically a SaaS in notion that is fully functioning. But that's where you know, especially with my consulting clients, they'll go grab a business OS template or whatever, install it, and then nobody knows how to use it and then when they want to deviate from what's provided they don't actually know how to extend that system so mm-hmm. it's very much back to that SaaS provider relationship where you're dependent on a company providing you with the tools that you need to run your business and and what happens is that and i say this a lot in my consulting stuff the the systems and workflows that you build in notion fall out of the way that your company does work so uh, go- going back to those permaculture principles like the first one is this like observational principle that you 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 need to observe the landscape that you have available to you. And so a lot of the – basically the consulting I do in, in Notion is like I don't do any building without um, doing an observational phase like or a discovery phase and figuring out like – how does your team actually work? Where are you making decisions? Uh, who's making those decisions? Who's joining these meetings? And so a lot of the, you know, the the way that you actually end up using Notion is usually reflective of your styles um, and your coworkers' styles and stuff. So I think the biggest mistake that most people make is that they don't use that observational phase. They go right to the building stuff. And, and then, and that's what notion mastery, we have this tracks journey where you go through three levels of sort of building out and the building process is it's like this time. There's like these little checks along the way where you're actually like thinking about the way that you think the way that you do work. And I think that's reflective of Marie's style where she, she works based off her energy levels rather than priorities and, and your traditional, like, you know, Eisen, what are the Eisenhower matrix or whatever they're called? I always get that name wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff where Marie's like, will think of think in themes or energy levels. And it's just a different way of thinking. And I think that's why a lot of times it resonates really strongly for folks with, um, neurodivergent minds. Um, because it's, it, you know, it's a lot more adaptable, I think in the way that we teach. So,
1: yeah. And I think again, that that need to get it perfect, that I, I'm going to take this course and get the system right. And It's very tempting to do that. Um, but I like to think of Notion as a more so of a, almost like a personal development tool or a self-discovery tool more so than a productivity tool. Like what are you learning about yourself and how you work? in this process and so getting people comfortable with the mess a little bit of like what is emerging as you are building this and as you're using it what are you noticing about yourself and why it's a it's a powerful tool for reflection if you're willing to take that that extra moment so um, I think just helping people overcome that urge to get it perfect and that the mess is part of the process as you know we talked about in the beginning of this session the mess is is a necessary part and so I think even giving people permission to say it's okay to just focus on the knowledge capture piece for now. For the first couple weeks, you don't need to worry about productivity and your task management and whatever. Let's just start with one thing at a time. This can be a messy page. It's okay. Like it, people really struggle with that. Oh, this page looks so messy, and my database is where do they? Li-? Don't worry about it. We're just going to start here first, and we're going to get to that part. So that's that's really a struggle for people. I think again, they want those really picture perfect templates, but when people actually start using it, again, they they don't know enough about how they work to be able to customize it. So that's where I want to get people thinking more deeply about how mm-hmm. they work.
0: Oh, that's that's very interesting. I'm I'm wondering at this point that like, when people come into your course, do they usually have like an over-engineered notion set up, or do they have an like an under? Engineered notion because simplicity can be both, right? It can be it can be yes. too simple or it can be not simple enough. So yes. what, what do you see in, in your students when they come join oh. the
1: course? We get such a humongous range. And again, because because what we're talking about is work and life integration, you know, mastering workflows across all these different places. We get people from all over the world, every age group, students, professionals, doctor, you know, gardeners. Everyone is in there. And so people are coming in with very, very different intentions. And I think that is one of the major challenges of the course, even from a marketing perspective. How do you speak to an audience that is so diverse and their motivations and their intentions are so diverse? So that's definitely a challenge. But we get people who have never... like maybe just downloaded the app or like their friend told them about it. They just heard about it. So they're coming in from ground zero. Then you have other people who say, I'm 10 out of 10 Notion. I just want to like optimize that last little bit and and everything in between. Um, But Ben, I don't know if if you think from like an average standpoint, if you think most people tend to be sort of over-engineered a little bit, or they're have got they coming in with a little bit of a mess and they're like, I know this isn't working for me. Where do I I start? I mean, at least from
2: the consulting side with the business side of things, I think people very quickly they build something that's very, you know, you know, they're either grabbing a template or just grabbing something from notions template library. And then they immediately go to scaling that to hundred employees. Um, and you know, that can be really challenging when you haven't really established the, like the, the, the good practices to begin with within the, the, the company. Um, we got very lucky at precision nutrition for example in that the engineering team kind of was was using github for managing our docs and onboarding docs and and it was just not really working very well and i got i got tasked with figuring out notion and we started with just the engineering team and so we built like some shared shared practices we really documented it really well like how to use it and where to get things and then what i did was i started onboarding other teams. And they basically had to go through this process where I did a mini training for them, showing them how to use the basics and things like that. And then when I would give them a dashboard that they could then use. And then I would like open up access to that dashboard and allow them to edit it. And so for me, the biggest mistake that most businesses make is they have these things called full access notion workspaces where the newest employee gets added as a member and they can literally delete the entire sidebar. And like, and because people... And that's why I don't, that's why I'm working and on this permissions <laughs> and team spaces thing, because that's a huge, you know, you miss these kind of, um, these, these small little things that make huge impactful changes down the line where, you know, you have then it, you basically end up with, you know, in programming terms, a lot of, of debt, uh, that will have to be cleaned up in some way. Um, so yeah, I think. I think most people tend to be in the over-engineered when they come to the course phase. It probably leans more towards that than un- under-engineered because the folks that are just learning Notion aren't like, you know, our, our course is a high, it's a 12 month program. There's live events and, you know, it's more training focused than, than course focused. And so it's a, it's, it's a, it's a steep investment. So I think people that are just discovering Notion probably aren't going to drop the, the course price on quite yet, but when they discover like how powerful it is and how frustrated they're getting, then that that number starts to come, you know, be <laughs> relatively speaking a little bit more, you know, stomachable, I guess, yeah.
1: Well, I think, one, I think one of the reasons I was able to thrive with Notion was because I already had a bit of that systems know-how. So if people have not been exposed to any systems and they're just trying to figure out Notion, it, it is going to be a hot mess and so i think the burden is on the user really to kind of enforce their systems on the software right and so that's where i think that biggest challenge was so the course is able to give people like a scaffold on top of which they can yeah. they can build and so Some, it really something you just said how, made me realize um, like yeah
2: um, most people are when they start like asana is a great example of a software that you use you are a user of the software all of the tools and the workflows are sort of provided for you so you can read a uh, you can read documentation and kind of follow along with the steps and use it whereas notion and a lot of no code tools have introduced this concept of like are you a user or are you a builder and now for a lot of people you're both you are a user builder whatever that is um, and so that means that, like, you have to start thinking about experience design, uh, data capture, like, how do I actually visualize my data? How do I get what I want out of that data? Because a lot of most, most notion workspaces are just databases of information, which, you know, you could open Google Sheets and do that. But actually visualizing that data over time or in context is very challenging. And it's and the notion is not providing those contexts for you. You have to build that yourself. So there's a higher level, you know, this prosumer idea where you're now having to build your own resources to do your work. That's kind of a newer concept, I think. And that's that's where the challenge arises and why people really want that, like, real-time support. I think one of the one of the things that people ask for a lot in our community is like, like, what are you, like, what's everybody else doing? Is this, is this hard for everybody or just me? Like, what are, how are you solving this problem? And so there's this, like, you know, that's why we're doing these demo days is not just showing what the software can do, but also examples of what we're doing, examples of what our students are doing. You know, we have the advantage advantage that we get to learn from our, our students as well some of them go well outside of what we're doing in terms of building and we're like oh cool that's super amazing that you learned how to do that we'll start doing that too or you know we're learning we're learning at the same time so it's super powerful for that kind of experience
0: Yeah, sounds like you have a built-in network effect here by people just bringing in the information back into the the knowledge network and you can then disseminate it out. I was wondering about how you market or advertise this course, this product in particular, because it sounds like you're targeting a a pretty like highly functional group of people with this, like not just somebody who wants to kind of set up Notion for themselves a little bit, but for people who Mm -hmm. actually want to make it work, not just for individual people, but for whole organizations. So how, how do you approach marketing marketing your course slash I would call it info product Empire that you're currently building how does that work how do you approach it yeah.
1: the cha- I mean the the channels that have worked the best uh, historically YouTube um, so it just I guess that's probably how the course works. Uh, interest first started was committing to doing a YouTube video every single week for 12 weeks. And I was just demoing some aspect of it. Like, oh, here's how I manage my projects. Here's how I personal business, whatever. I was just showing every week one different way of using it. In the beginning, I didn't realize how deep my knowledge was. And so I was sharing these videos and people being like, that's nice, but how on earth do you do that? And so I didn't realize that just demoing a thing was not actually showing someone how to do the thing. Um, So those comments and questions that would come in on YouTube are going to keep feeding. I was like, oh, wow, there's like, there's lots of content to produce here. So I could probably have content ideas forever. Um, so YouTube was definitely primarily the way I could at least demonstrate my thinking. And then Twitter became a really great way to show sort of beautiful visual screen caps of what these spaces looked like. And so I could just post something on Twitter and being like, here's how I do my weekly review, show these really beautiful screenshots. And people were like, how, how do you build this? And I was like, you can learn more about my course over here. So in the beginning I mostly just drove people to my list uh, on YouTube. I think very quickly we were able to get 10,000 signups on my list within three months, which was pretty substantial for me from having maybe a 500 person list before all of this this Notion stuff. And then uh, once we had the course available, we switched that sign up for our list to the check out the course and kind of switch that. So YouTube descriptions... Um, And those, you know, boxes to like, check out the next video, getting someone just going down the rabbit hole of your content is wonderful. And then uh, Twitter, I think, was the next big one. And then starting to email the list. It took a long time, I think, before we did any kind of real email marketing. But I'd say YouTube was, was primarily. And then it evolved into search. and and referrals people telling their friends and then we set up an affiliate program um and ben i know uh you know ben's doing more of the data side of things now too so i don't know if you're kind of seeing any any trends shifting but i still think youtube is primarily i mean we do a lot
2: of search engine marketing but our we've really only started trying to do some seo stuff with like uh, actual attribution and things like that we've never done any paid advertising in our entire history of our company and i think we'll probably never do it it's just not something that we're comfortable or like have a maybe we could bring somebody on to help us with that but it's kind of outside of my comfort zone a little bit in terms of how we um market things um yeah a big part the first six months when i came back to the company i i had a savvy cow link that i just was kind of open and so i would just do 30 minutes and i would i was doing two three calls a day with organizations that were trying to use notion. And usually in that 30 minutes, I would unlock some things for somebody. I'd be like, well, have you thought about doing X, Y, and Z? And they're just like, Oh my God, you just saved me so much time. And like, we started building this database of, of sort of principles like that, you know, this is a good practice. This is a good practice and so on and so forth. So like doing tons of interviews um, and also like seeing what the, what other ambassadors and notions, other, um, channel which is notion champions those are the people that work uh at a company a larger organization enterprise level that are sort of spearheading notion work at their organization so talking to those folks um i started doing in the last six months i started doing a what I call the notion monetization mastermind within the ambassador community. So we've got about 40 people now. And so we're all just like talking and doing uh, lean coffee format style meetings and talking about commonalities and in what's what we're seeing in, in monetization of templates and consulting services. So, you know, it's kind of a, yeah, it's a multifaceted effort um, to just draw attention to what we're doing and things like that. So I think each one of our team members, Go ahead
1: I think I also forgot a major oh, I was gonna say our office hours together Ben that we did the like, yeah, yeah I totally forgot about that like actually partnering with notion and and having some like sort of endorsed by notion events like that was yeah. I think pretty pretty big for us early on too. I totally forgot that's, that.
0: that's, that's something that I really was going to ask you as the very next thing. So thanks for bringing mm. it up. Because you seem to have partnered with Notion on some level from a fairly early stage. And I wonder, like joining the ambassador program, like did that happen before you released the course or was that something that came after?
1: I think it came after. So uh I think, Ben, you and I organized a webinar. It was like August of 2019, I think. That was our very first... I had never done a webinar before, but I had so many people saying, if you make a course on Notion, I will give you money. I was like, no. okay, there's something here. Like the market is begging for this. Uh, I was really scared to be on camera, really scared to be on video. Like the idea of doing a webinar was like... Definitely not my comfort zone, but I just, I knew it was kind of the future. Like I was going to have to get comfortable doing this. So we scheduled a webinar and I think we called it getting started with Notion. And it was pretty much just like, here's our crazy advanced Notion workspace. Like it was really not a getting started with Notion. It was the opposite of that. So people were like galaxy brain emoji, but also how do you build? Like, you know, it was definitely way, way too advanced, I think for what we had thought it was going to be. And it caught the attention of Notion. I think the Notion COO reached out like a few days later or something and just said, Hey, we saw that webinar that you did. Who is this girl that knows our product better than mm. our team does? Like, can we chat? I, and I was like, Oh my God, of Notion. He wants invited to talk. you to, to do an so internal exciting.
2: presentation of what you had been building in Notion. And the Not yet? Okay.
1: Well, n- not yet. So they saw our webinar first and then they were sort of like, Hey, how could we. Like there's something here. How could we collaborate in a way? And I think we had agreed that we will do some office hour, like office hours with Marie. And it was sort of on Notion's Crowdcast channel. It would sort of be on, on behalf of them. So that definitely really helped me grow my audience. And the, after the course launched, and I think after they saw that I had pi- basically pivoted my whole business to say, you know what, I'm going to try this. Let's let's just see if I kind of change this chapter of business and say, this is going to, we're going to double down on Notion. We're going to make the course mm-hmm. and just see where this goes, because it seems like there's something really magical here that is really, um, it's a, there's a hungry crowd here. It would be kind of easy to serve. So I was like, let's just try it. And I think within a few months of launching the course, like it was already making 10,000 a month very quickly. And I thought, okay, like this is this is the easiest money I've ever made. Like, this is wild. I need to double down in this and make it better. I need to to figure out where this is going to go. And that's when, um, you know, Notion asked, like, would you be willing to share kind of how you're using it? Like, the course, all of that good stuff. And so I put together it's a presentation. Yeah, I think really... their team might have been 50 people at the time when I put that presentation together. Yeah. And it was like, you know, here's how much revenue the course has made. Here's like the most popular YouTube videos. Here's the use cases that I'm seeing. And just this it was presented to them in Notion. So I was basically screen sharing a Notion page that all nice. the data and the stats and everything and, and kind of, sh- I was very transparent with them. Here's how much my template revenue is making. Here's how many students are in the course. And, you know, he said their team was very surprised. Like their average employee wasn't aware of even some of the ways that they could use the product. So mm-hmm. they were just like, how yeah. can we continue to, you know, have this like mutually beneficial relationship where um, they can't necessarily... They could sponsor me or they, we could figure out like a payment model. But what they did was they gave us a free enterprise account, which allowed us to host the course mm-hmm. on, on Notion. And again, we're consultants, we're pros. Like, you know, we're, we're obviously a marketing support for them, but we're not paid by Notion to do that. And mm-hmm. I think that was a better move. Like, I think then when we're marketing or we're talking about the course and the power of the tool, it's because mm-hmm. we really freaking love it, not because Notion is paying us to say that. So I think we've, both Notion and us, we've been sort of like, okay, well, we've explored like, could that happen? But we just think it would be better for us to just stay as an unpaid, you know, we're just motivated because we just really love what the tool can do for us. And that's worked yeah. for
0: us. Great. That That is a great way of building a partnership that is not tainted. In, in some way, right? By mm-hmm. I, I, it feels very aligned. Like they don't have yeah. to deal with educational complexity because they have a they have a product that can be yeah. complicated unless somebody tells you how to use it right, and that's what you yeah, do. Yeah. So they don't have to do it. Perfect, right? That I think that's a it's a win win situation. Uh, in in my book, honestly, I I would uh, rather have somebody who really loves yeah. the product, not building the product, but using the, the product. Talk about how to use the product. I think as uh, yeah, always, notion has kind of really there.
2: landed yeah. on something really special with the ambassadors program. I think a lot of um, a lot of SASs are are looking at that and going like, oh, like you know the. They really help with those early stage growth things to, to get people onto the platform. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when you have these really complex, no code platforms that, you know, require, if you want to, you know, you've got your enterprise customers and they really need a lot of support for getting up and running and stuff like that. So you really want to build that ambassadorship. And also uh, their the certified consultant program has really been impactful for Notion because then they can like just be like, hey, you should talk to these folks over here about doing the consulting. And so it's like, again, they're not being paid by Notion, but they're they're just delivering the consulting directly to the, the end user but it's it's a it's it's a win-win for both partners because you know you're getting the enterprise customer and the notion is getting that sweet sweet recurring revenue from like 200 person organizations you know they're that uh it's uh it's a, it's a really really great way to grow SaaS i think these days is that you know building a really good s- system for ambassadorship and 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 consulting
0: Yeah, so it's a quality assurance level, right? You, you can, you vet the people that you recommend. So you know that the quality is high. And that is actually something that I'm, I, I can literally see this. Like as I'm recording this with you, I see that both of you. Are in really nice and friendly looking rooms that I would like to (laughs) sit in as well. Like, it feels like you've understood that the visual power, not just of Notion itself and it being able to, you being able to screenshot it and show that and invite people into your business, but also how you present yourself, that is very inviting. Is that is that something you're doing intentionally? Like, how come you your background you look, look so inviting creators, and What's they happening? They
2: are among the best YouTubers in the world when it comes to technology. Um, I'm not there yet. My YouTube channel has like 150 subscribers or something. But Mar- but Marie Marie's is very we'll is, get you there. We'll, is, get, is there. we'll get you a, there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she has a big uh, subscribership, and and that that like polishness is really I think actually quite important. And you look at, at folks like Thomas Frank uh august bradley they both have unbelievably beautiful video setups that is just really really quality and their editing is really good the pacing is really good when it comes to those pieces of educational content keeping people's attention in a in an educational environment is super super important so that like the editing and the pacing and the way it looks and being able to show what you're doing on screen at the same time but also seeing that person like it's really important from a teaching perspective. So I think, you know, in the future, like the best, the best courses and the best, you know, businesses are going to be generally based around some kind of like highly polished, you know, content creation. And I know, you know, talking to Thomas Frank, he he'll say, just, just start recording and Marie did the same thing with her videos where she did 100 a hundred days of video and you can look at her sure. videos from two years ago and her videos today. And it's, it's uh, the, the leap is incredible. Um, So, yeah, I I do think that that's very intentional.
1: But also, like, Ben has a fine arts degree, right? Like, a lot of people don't know that Ben did a fine arts degree and I went to design school. So I think we are inherently... It's pretty
2: important to us, yeah.
1: Like, we are designers at heart and design really matters, you know, and just how things feel. Uh, I think I'm, I don't know if I'm more sensitive to environmental cues or not, um, but just like how I yeah. feel when I open up my Notion dashboard matters to me. So I will spend time making a nice header, doing an icon set that feels good. So when I open it, it's not just getting my tasks done. Because uh, like that's not how I move through my day. I'm, I'm mindful of how do I feel day to day, moment to moment. That matters to me. So could I make the work that I'm doing feel really fun to feel expansive? that matters to me. And I think those things maybe can impact people in ways they're not even aware of. Um, and if you don't have that design background, you might not even know yeah. that that's what's happening there is that the way something looks is impacting the way you're interpreting it. So I think it's, it's kind of baked in, I think, with how, how Ben and I uh, work and see the world
0: yeah particularly if you're working on energy levels like if, if you're not a priority person but at how do i feel in this moment can i what do i want to do right if you're a person like that and i have this like half and half i think there are days when i'm an energy person and days yeah. when i can do structured work yeah. which is confusing because no system works all the time but exactly. you know um in that moment it it really matters like visuals really matter and I'm, I'm also trying to improve upon this because it's not only how i feel it's also how i am perceived as right as a creator if you do stuff like the way people see what you're doing that influences how they understand what you're doing as well and obviously this takes a lot of effort to get right and you are absolutely right you just start recording you do whatever you want to do and you get better over time but at a certain point i feel this effort eclipses what the capacity of one person or two people can provide so let's talk a bit about the business behind the course let's talk about how you you manage this how you do you have a team like if so where are those people what are they doing i'm very interested in what is needed to keep such a course a long-term event running and growing
1: yeah when we started when i launched the course it was mostly just me but i was bringing in a virtual assistant, and it was very clear, like right in those beginning weeks, I'm like, oh, okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this by myself. And Notion also didn't have the enterprise capabilities and invite codes and things. So I was hosting a course on Notion, having to manually invite people in as, as guests. So I did this, you know, pilot, but that's like, someone buys and hopefully I see the notification in time and then invite them. So it's not too big of a gap. And like, I was just figuring it out as I went for sure. It was definitely a bit of chaos. Um, so having um, our current director of ops georgia we initially hired her as a sort of virtual assistant and so for those first couple of months she was really helping me with that and each month i would just kind of increase her her support increase her support and it was growing very fast i think i worked with georgia for almost a year i think before we started talking about maybe bringing her on full time so she was a freelancer she had other clients as well and i was like you know i think I feel like we could probably fill your days with, with a good chunk of time if you were interested. You know, I don't know how you feel about continuing to run your own business. And she much prefers to be the person behind the scenes. She doesn't like marketing herself. She's like, I would be so happy to do that. So we went through a little bit of a transition there and she became our first full-time employee. So I think. Georgia was working with us for almost a year full time Mm -hmm. after that before uh, Ben came back on board as well. So we are three full time people, but we've brought in other contractors to help us with community support. You know, when students are asking questions in the forum, like how do we make sure that we're we're making sure that students are heard and... Updating curriculum, making new video. Like, there's just lots of processes, obviously, behind the scenes that uh, need to be managed. And so we're a pretty flexible team. And I mean, Ben and I do yeah. a lot. Like, we wear a lot of different hats. You know, Ben is handling a lot of the, like, financial and accounting and whatever, but also the tech side and managing the websites. Like, there's obviously a lot of moving parts and pieces. I think both Ben and I tend to be more generalist. Like, we love Working on many different things, we we really enjoy yeah. that doing the design, making the sales pages. That's part of the fun. Um, but there's lots of other skills. I think that we've we've kind of like helped other.
2: Yeah, we generally we generally kind of help like us fill those gaps. So go in and out of like scaling and 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 retracting quite quite frequently. So we'll bring on like two or three people. Like right now we have um, somebody that works with Marie and crafting the newsletters, and then you know Georgia sets those up in ConvertKit. Um, we also have people that we hire quarterly to do like kind of, um, marketing and search engine optimization passes where we get like an audit, um, like a roadmap of, of an execution roadmap. So I think a lot of times, you know, as owners, we're not super great at like knowing what to do next. And so we'll, we hire outside help to tell us like. What do we have? What can we do next? And give us like here's a here's a prioritized punch list of things that you could tackle because you know Marie and I tend to you know jump ar- around to a bunch of different things and you know Georgia tries to manage us but um but it's I think uh, we really like this model of bringing people on to do <laughs> specific like one off things and then and then you know then we can bring them back like later so focused. we have mm-hmm. you know folks that will run workshops for us lead our trainings at times um, and things like that so kind of a you know and and i think right now we have so it's three of us throughout bc mostly um and then we have um our support our support lead in the community um ranny is in in the philippines and australia at times um so we have this nice like spread out where we've got support when we're asleep and then when we're up we're also doing support in the in the community and things like that um so yeah it's it's a pretty pretty global business. Like we have, we have customers all over the world in every time zone. So, um, and that's another challenge is like, how do we run live events that are, everybody can join Mm -hmm. and and participate in. And so, yeah.
0: That, That, yeah, that sounds not just like a business challenge, but it also sounds like a, you know, separation of work time. And personal time yeah. kind of challenge, particularly I, I come from uh, building a business as a couple, right? Like uh, in a, by my co founder, Danielle, she's my girlfriend. So or before mm. we sold the business, she was my co founder. Now she's just my girlfriend, which is great. <laughs> but um, there's this different dynamic in a business like this where you spend all time together, you know, during your work hours and then you, they kind of extend in your personal time. How do you deal with that? So, like, how do you deal with the, the couple issue? Or is, is that an issue for you at all?
2: it's always an issue. Um, I would say, uh, we deal with that by having regular check-ins in, you know, with both each other and with our, our team, we go to couples therapy, we go to individual therapy. We love therapy. I think therapy is possibly the best business investment you can make um yeah. wow. um to you know it's super invaluable um and some of the stuff we're doing recently you know, like we've 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 been re restructuring the way that we're we're doing the internal work now and um marie i don't i don't remember where the source of the the term was but we've we've been exploring exploring this thing called a ddo which is a deliberately developmental organization and so we're actually like specifically mandating that everybody that we work with works on improving themselves giving them time and budget as part of their like actual um you know uh, compensation to do that work and so we're and we're actually we've sort of tasked the director of ops, Georgia, to hold us accountable to that as well. So she actually and recently was like, how would you feel, Marie, if I made you take time off? Like you are you are you have to take time off. And we're like, OK, we're empowering you to tell us that we have to take a vacation or whatever, because Marie doesn't take time off. She just doesn't. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, that's part of part of her success is, you know, she's just an animal when it comes to getting things done. <laughs> So yeah, like all the all of those things all of those things are are being very intentional about reflection uh, and um, and recovery and thinking about like what you know what do we need to change to do better work and keep this going kind of thing is super important I think in in any organization, especially a small team and especially you know husband and wife led teams. Mm-hmm
0: it sounds like you're not focusing on massive growth at all costs which is generally a good idea for any you know business that wants to stay sustainable and calm out of all things kind of the thing you said earlier really really brings that into very very sharp focus for me the fact that you don't that you expand and contract and in many ways that actually sounds like yet another permaculture lesson to me you know like a, a system just breathes it, it takes in the air it releases yeah. and breathes back in and air and that, that 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 i find that incredibly interesting because you seem to have applied these learnings from these cyclical systems all over the place mm. That's a wonderful thing to see like in your business life, personal life, likely too, yeah. in what the business translates into and like the product itself. That's just a wonderful thing to see how such a gardening based system mm-hmm. can be applied in so many other ways. I really
2: like that, l- the breathing metaphor, because yeah. it is it's a, it's a yeah. businesses are living ecosystems. And um, if you if you're if your business. Takes on that rigidity. It's not you will lose that elasticity, and I think that's really important to us. You know, i our business is called Okie Dokie, but like I said, we've been we've been a web design agency. We've been a SaaS shop for five years. Like we ran a SaaS that you know at one point was doing five thousand MRR, so not not hugely successful, but it paid it paid one of our salaries and things like that at the time, and yeah, and like you know the ability to be elastic and change and try something new is, is super important to us. You know, I, I don't like the, I mean, like the notion thing is exciting to me because it's, I've loved working in notion and solving, you know, customer problems really, you know, keeps me going. But like, I, I can't imagine doing notion in 20 or 30 years from now, like when we're still alive, but who knows, maybe, maybe it'll I think that be could something be, totally different.
1: That can be intimidating for people that join us too. Right. Because I think, we're not necessarily attached to the specifics. It's like we help people in so many different ways. And even if Notion disappears, I'm like, there's so many other skill sets that we both have. And and we know how to help people in so many different ways that I hope that these learnings are applicable beyond Notion. And so someone joining the team, like we're just not a rigid Uh, structure, we're not rigid on the rules, like we are very flexible people. And we're always just asking in the moment, what's working, what's not working. Um, So for for other people, there's a bit of I think, unlearning that might have to happen to be able to go with the flow the way that we do in our business. And so it won't be for everyone. But you know, as Ben pointed out, like, this is our livelihood. It's not just our business, it's our life too. And so like the money that we make together is the business, like this is serving hopefully our future retirement like we we have to think bigger about kind of what does this mean for us because this is how we're spending our time it's how we're spending our life and we want it to matter Mm -hmm. so we try to i think be very mindful of what are we doing with this thing and and are we feeling good about this and is it pushing us as people to be better to be you know the best that we can be
0: do you regularly check in with each other and because like Danielle and I were doing this too, and we were doing this during the time when we built the business. So I have mm-hmm. these little tiny micro summits for ourselves, where we would have <laughs> essentially goal setting uh, retreats. Right, that was the idea.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, do, do you do this re- on a regular basis as well? Yeah.
1: Like I feel That's like probably not as much as spaces. we should. Yeah. Yeah, like I think we we go through phases, right? Where like if something difficult happens when a challenge comes, we're like, "Oh, you know what? We've been neglecting this part of our business." Like we we often say like, "Oh, every Monday we'll do our check-in," and then sometimes we don't or we skip it. And so I think we we go through these ebbs and flows, and I think right now in this season of our business, um and all through December, we've said like we're talking internal roles and responsibilities, how do we do things like really looking at our processes and doing more of those check-ins. So I think right now we're having way deeper conversations way more of those conversations than we have in a really long time mm-hmm. and we're looking at how do we bake this in to make this more of a process even something like do we do a quarterly retreat where we spend a week and we're just focused on kind of our vision for the business and how we're feeling about things so uh, we're always just asking ourselves like yeah what's working what's not working and i think we could we could do a better job yeah. of uh, standardizing that a little bit and, and being more i think we're both you know, very all structured.
2: all in people <laughs> So we're not yeah. super great at the, like the day-to-day uh, rote tasks and things like that. And and it's like this thing where, you know, we just like, will once we've, once we've decided together that we're doing something together, it's, it's very much like a full speed ahead, you know, get out of the way kind of thing. And I've seen Marie do this many times where when she decides on something, it's like, just move aside. I'm not even going to try to hold her <laughs> back or see what she's doing. Cause she just gets really, 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 you know, amped up and just Flying ahead and learn, just
1: a bit, learning yeah.
2: everything in front of her, and <laughs> creating new products and all this stuff. And you know, we're we're both kind of like that, where we you know, and I, I really just use the word "this season" of our business, and I think that's really important to think of it that way. That we have these like seasons where right now we're just we're just taking a break and rethinking some things, and and you know, we need to take a step back and go back to that observational phase again and see what you know. Kind of what's 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 happening here? What's appearing? what's important, what's not important? What can we let go of? Um, and so yeah, we do this where we'll go for a season where we just work mindlessly and then and a season where we basically don't work at all and we're just sort of like recuperating and recovering. Mm-hmm. So winter tends to be a good time for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really good mix of flexibility and assertiveness, right? You you know that you can change stuff, but you also know what you're going for. And that combination of being flexible and assertive, that makes me wonder, do you consider yourselves unemployable at this point?
2: Not at all. I mean, I went and I worked. Do. I do. I think Marie might be, but um, uh, I, I before <laughs> before I came back to work with Marie, I, I was, Marie mentioned at the beginning that I was working for a, um, a a nutrition and coaching company called precision nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for two years as like kind of a software dev slash I was doing a little bit of product management type work there as well. And I've absolutely loved working there um and i i love that seasonality of like again the expanding contracting thing where like my focus is very narrow and then the my i make my focus broad again and i like to do that repeatedly so i'll work on a software product for 5 years and then i'll go and be more like a you know like larger company and then small just focused on you know rails and ember at, which was what i was doing there at, at that company um i i think that that elasticity really helps you identify where, you know, where you fit in, in certain different places and things like that. So um, I definitely think I'm super employable because I have a certain skill set. Um, but I'm also probably difficult to employ, I would say, because I have that like broader outlook. And I tend to start seeing, looking at different things in a way that might not just be like developer-y. And uh, so that can be that can be a challenge, employability wise. That you know, I can I can be frustrating to work with because I'm. I it's hard for Ben I, to
1: stay in his lane. Yeah, I can't.
2: It's really <laughs> difficult for me to not want to solve a lot of problems, and AI tend to step on toes a lot. So it does help to run your own business when you're that type of person.
0: <laughs> I I love how honest you are. Like in stating this and with yourself in recognizing it Mm -hmm. that sounds like you you did a lot of work and i'm not surprised you are a fan of therapy in this regard because that is usually the place where the work is done right or where the work gets triggered so as you you are for me at this point very much the embodiment embodiment of the the indie founder that is not locking themselves into the box which you might do, right? Like if you if you look at the all the people in the indie hacker community, like they build a business, they build another business, and they just keep building businesses, businesses, businesses and consider themselves unemployable. I asked those questions because I wanted to see how far the elasticity goes. Mm. Right? Because some people might want to do many things but never go back to work again. Or some people are looking to do the indie hacker thing to find a job at a company they always wanted mm-hmm. to work to. So it's a it's yeah. a very flexible approach. And I, I love your um, leaving the options open approach. Yeah. M- Marie, how about you? What's what's going on with you?
1: I can't. I think it's been so long. And I think, um, never say never. <laughs> but I think just um, the flexibility and freedom that we have running this business together brings me so much joy. It's, it's really hard to imagine how I might plug into uh, another company. But I, again, I'm just always open to it looking different than it looks now whether it's Mm -hmm. interesting partnerships or whatever like i'm i'm deeply interested in collaborating with amazing people and whatever shape that takes that's okay but um i Certainly don't think I'd be employable by a traditional <laughs> employer. It would have to look pretty, yeah. pretty freaking different.
2: I, yeah. I think this, this environment, the the general climate is changing with the, with the nature mm-hmm. of remote work and that I think a, a lot of companies are going to have to realize that you are, you know, that more and more you would, ha- if you wanted to enjoy the fruits of somebody like Marie's labor, there would be a very specific type of engagement that you would have to do. And I think, you know, a lot of times, that might be why maybe people aren't actually employees, but they're more of like partners, and the the nature of the engagement or the contract is is different. Um, and we found that you know that that that's true for our own business. That some sometimes small little ventures are really good, and sometimes full commitments to employment are really good. Like. I think uh, a more modern company, remote based company or a distributed company, as it were, is going to is going to know when to when to like really how to attract different types of personalities and and uh, and, you know, the engagement models are going to have to shift to adopt, you know, to adapt to that a little bit.
0: That it really helps putting yourself out there too, right? Like to to show what you want to do and what you don't want to do in this remote world where everybody could potentially hire you if only mm-hmm. they knew what you're doing. And I think both of you do this in, a, in an interesting way on Twitter. At least from what I see, you're pretty outspoken about it too, right? You're essentially building in public, in in uh, to a certain degree. And I uh, I think that's an important methods to find the right people to partner with and it's also a great way of finding customers i guess because i would assume that your personalities youtube channel is a good example right you bring in customers through who you are and through what you want to do and how you do it and i think both of you do this in a wonderful way and that's the reason that i want to end this conversation by asking you where should people go to figure out who you are what you do and how well you do it. Where do you want people to go?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. It's very kind of you. Uh, for me, it's probably Twitter. I think I'm, you know, that's where I have my my typical, you know, I, I think I'm pretty opinionated and uh, about about software and about things and about systems. And, you know, that's where I just post a lot of, uh, you know, my, my thoughts and things. Um, and then I'm hoping my YouTube channel over time But, you know, I, mine, mine tends to be highly technical and I'm doing like API Mm -hmm. examples. So it's, it's a little less of the, you know, growth, growth type stuff where it's like how to use Notion. So, um, but hopefully, you know, get better, get, you know, very specific engagement there would be great. you put it out there.
1: Similarly, I think, tw- you know, Twitter is kind of the place where like the freeform thinking and even like testing out ideas and even the, the permaculture ideas, you know, just sort of testing out resonance. I like to do that on Twitter. Uh, YouTube is obviously a little bit more notion focused. So you can find me on YouTube there at Marie Poulin. Okay. And then, you know, our business website is weareokidoki.com. That's where we do a lot of our, um, well, I guess it's not a super active site, but it's kind of like the home of, of who it's, we are as a couple and kind of it's still what our, our business is. It
2: still is. looks like a, we're a web agency. Still <laughs> in
1: progress. Progress. Yeah, <laughs> to
0: state that. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite noticeable. Like it's half web agency, half Notion. Yeah, in course, um, yeah. it needs some and- love
1: It's a little, it's a little outdated. We'll get yeah. there. It's, uh, it's on the list. But yeah. uh, and then if other people want to know more about like the sort of permaculture side, the more personal thinking that I do around business tends to happen on my personal site, MariePoolen So if you are curious, kind of what I am up to there, you can sign up for the newsletter there.
0: Th- th- those are several things that I highly recommend for people to follow because. You, both of you are inspirational and you you have a really good grasp of how to build things that last Mm -hmm. and it's noticeable. And I I really appreciate that. Also as a person who wants to build Mm -hmm. things that last, you are an inspiration to me too. So thank you 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 so much much for being on my show today. That was really nice. Thanks for sharing everything that you shared. That was wonderful. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you.
0: And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to The bootser Founder. You can find me on Twitter at avidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You find my books, my Twitter course there as well. And if you want to support me in the show, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, get the podcast in your podcast player of choice, and leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Any of this will truly help the show. So thank you for listening today, and have a wonderful day.
1: Bye-bye.